Please welcome to the show the president and founder of Enthusiast Gaming, Manasha Kestenbaum. Manasha. Hi. How are you? I'm good. I'm very glad to be on. Yeah, thank you. Thank you for joining. Yeah, I know that we're really happy to be here. Good. Thank you. I know we're all working from home, so in case my dog starts barking or uh, my teenager goes on a rampage, we should be fine. Yeah, I have the same thing over here. In case you hear like the vacuum cleaner or the six-month-old baby or the ten-year-old, there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Other other than that, like how how have you been? You yourself, and we'll talk about the company in a bit as well. But how have you and your family been coping? Um, I think it's an adjustment, right? Like the same as if like you move to a different city, kind of have to like adjust to a whole new way of operating and a different schedule and different dynamics. So I think we slowly get better at it um, <laughs> as, as it's kind of, you know, dawns on us that we might be here for a little while. Um, so yeah, it's, we, we've, uh, we've had tough moments and we have had uh, moments where we start to feel like we're figuring it out a bit. Yeah, and I know, um, I don't know what the proper greeting is, but I know there's been some recent uh, Jewish holidays as well. Yeah, we had Passover recently, so. Passover, great. And and, and how was, you know, these sort of um, uh, religious and cultural events, you know, we're used to having them in big crowds and everyone gets together. Um, yeah. You know, how was, how was Passover for, for your family? Yeah, it was, it was tough because, of course, I can't invite my parents. I can't invite my siblings. Um, we're used to, you know, being social with family. But, you know, then again, I have four kids and I got my wife. So, um, you know, it's not it's not too lonely. We, we may, My kids make enough noise and activity to keep us busy. So You can almost do like three-on-three three basketball or something. Yeah, exactly. Actually, we do a lot of video games together. Nice. Yeah. Nice, nice, nice. So, have, have you um, have you done like the Zoom calls with the family and the parents oh, and all that sure. sort of stuff? Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Zoom, you know, it comes into the religious environment a lot too, right? Like with okay. community, communities getting together um, to have, you yeah. know, whether it's like an inspirational lecture or something like that. Um, yeah, we're doing we're doing some of that kind of stuff. Nice, nice. And in terms of the company, like, you know, you talked about gaming and stuff. I mean, that's simple to sort of transition into work from home, I'm guessing. Um, yeah. I mean, we're all pretty digitally savvy. So uh, there's already you know, like 180 people in the company that work remotely from around the world on the content team. Um, you know, the streamers also usually work from home. Uh, it's more kind of like the staff the sales staff that are used to kind of meeting with people at, um, you know, going to for drinks or for coffee for, with someone. Now they're doing more Zoom meetings. And then uh, on the administrative side too, back office, of course, we're all working from home for the first time. So, but, you know, we've, we've all made it work. It's, uh, it's no, I would say it's more productive than usual. Like, there's not a lot of wasted time uh, in transit going to meetings or going to the office. You basically sit down you just you know crank out all of your hours straight one after another and remind yourself to take a break that that is awesome that's really really good um let, let's go let's go back a while when when did you start 
not the company, but when did, do you remember the first time you started really gaming a lot or playing video games and stuff? Yeah, it was when I was six years old. I, um, Jeez. My, my cousins had a Nintendo Entertainment System, the NES, yeah. and um, I saw them really playing a lot and tried it out and was really excited and always wanted to go over to their house. And then, you know, I had my birthday and my parents uh, bought the new Super Nintendo system, which had just came out. Um, and that was kind of my first system that I fell in love with for my for myself. And um, from then on, it was just uh, kind of a vocation for me. You know, I, I, I got really into it to the point that I really wanted to make that my career. Um, and I always... I actually always yeah. dreamed about going into game development. That was my dream when I was younger, was to become a game developer. Um, and you know, things things changed along with what my skill sets were. Uh, I actually uh, learned how to program, and I actually made a game, uh, like a Flash-based game um, uh, that you could play in a browser. But I realized that I enjoyed more. What I was better at was writing and building up this content team for this community. So that's. It kind of morphed over time from hobby to passion to um, organization to actual companies. So t tell me about, um, tell me about, you know, building that content. Like what, was there already sites and you were sort of contributing and commenting back and forth? Like what was your sort of first foray into that? Well, yeah, I mean, it, Back when I started, when I was six years old, there wasn't really an internet. We were, you know, there was like the Apple computers. Um, I, I would get my information about video games from uh, the Nintendo Power Magazine, the Game Pro Magazine, Electronic Gaming Monthly, and I would devour all these gaming magazines every single month, uh, really just lapping up every piece of information about the new games uh, that I could be excited by, seeing the reviews of what just came out, like what should I buy. Um, but it was really not something that I could connect with other people about, other than like, you know, when elementary school friends would come over to my house, we would play together, but that was the extent of it. Then when I turned uh, 13, um, the internet had just started getting its first uh, widespread adoption. And this mm -hmm. website called IGN, which actually was called IGN64.com at the time, um, came out. And I discovered, wow, I can connect with other people. And there's even a message boards where I could talk to them and, and there's other people out there similar to me with the same kind of, um, like, the same level of fanaticism or excitement around this whole industry. Industry, and there's a certain chemistry and electricity between, uh, you know, multiple gamers when they get together in a in a message board and start talking excitedly about their next upcoming game release, because it's kind of like you don't have that elsewhere. They could share that same level of passion. Um, so the internet kind of allowed that to happen and find other people like me. And I started to um, write blogs and content on the IGN uh, blog system and message boards. And that happened for the next 10 years or so, where I just did that as a, as a hobby. But always be sure. going on there. Um, so that was the first kind of content site that I got involved with. And then when did, what was the first site that you actually, or, or let me ask you this, like what, precipitated or what was the what was happening that you decided okay let me just do my own thing let me let me create my own sort of site so what happened there was 
you know, after over a decade on the IGN message boards and websites, I've met so many people and so many great content creators who, you know, there was wonderful people who knew how to write, create videos, uh, develop fan games, art, all sorts of talents, all living on the IGN message boards. And I realized, like, you know, why am I, why am I doing the, why am I writing personally uh, on this website when uh, the truth of the matter is that they took a certain approach, which I was thinking is a little bit more like the New York Times, that style journalism, where you know they were having a writer who would kind of talk down um, from their soapbox to the audience. But huh. the, world, the world was moving more in like a social network type of a way where everyone was a uh, community uh, content creator. Everyone, you know, if your audience wants to connect with you. It's not like in TV where you can't talk to them. Here, there's a, the ability for the audience to comment, to get to know the person, talk to them on social media. So that authenticity and the connection with community I felt was lacking at the time. So I left in September 2011 to create my own website called Nintendo Enthusiast, uh, where I basically told my buddies on the IGN website that I'm, I'm leaving. I'm going to start you know, blogging over there instead. And I'm welcoming any of you who want to join to also write on the front page of this. Uh, we're going to create our own forums. The difference here is the value proposition is no longer going to be about journalists. The value proposition is the community is what matters the most here. The community creating the content, the community choosing what type of content they want to see, um, and you know who should be their editors. Um, mm -hmm. But the focus was on the on the community versus on the journalist or on the game themselves, and that really and it was off, you know that that concept. And it was all about community. You weren't thinking, okay, here's a way that I can copy IGN's business model or anything like that. You just wanted to just create something that everyone could sort of have their own say in. Uh, everyone's voice be heard. Would that be true? Yeah, and, and IGN was was going after more of like this, um, less after the niche communities and more of this broad generalist type of gamer. And what I felt was that in order to really um, get a, a community of gamers to their full potential, you had to focus on the specific niches because that's where kind of the true fandom comes out. So my first love was Nintendo from that Nintendo system. Um, and I wanted to find the other Nintendo fans. Uh, so that really became our model as we grew was focusing on the niche communities, which and when I say niche, we could be talking about, you know, sites with tens of millions um, of users a month. So yeah. you know, if you're talking about Pokemon or Minecraft or Fortnite, um, they may be focused on a niche, one specific game. They're not generalists. But they're, they're huge, right? So, um, but that became our focus was to focus on the, the specific communities and to empower them around the games that we love. That's really cool. When, how quickly did that did your your site grow? Like, you know, what would what 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 sort of milestones do you now look back and go, crap! I can't believe how quickly this grew. Um, I think within three months we had hit kind of our first 100,000 page views in a month. Wow. Um, and that kind of told us like, wow, you know, if, if that's how people are reading this, uh, you know, we're doing something right over here. Uh, you know, our forums blew up. We got a lot of activity on the forums. Uh, and then we started, you know, to, I tried to figure out like, how do I scale now? And I tried to go kind of um, not just vertical, but also horizontal. Um, and 
I created kind of Xbox enthusiast, PlayStation enthusiast, PC gaming enthusiast, TV ah. enthusiast. Um, and so we started to get you know larger and larger audience by focusing on many different niches. Um, and eventually that came to a point where our audience had grown, but the revenue we were generating from that didn't really um, earn enough for me to reinvest into growing it further. I realized, like, you know, in order to grow my staff, I need to be able to pay people. Um, in order to grow my community, I have to start investing into social media um, content. Yeah. Content. So I need, I need more money for that. But we weren't making a lot of money, and that's where I started looking around and trying to find who monetizes niche gaming sites like us. Is there any network out there that is kind of like a partner that uh, nurtures you and empowers you uh, through a stronger revenue stream. Uh, I couldn't find any. So you were you were still growing like your site. You were growing a Nintendo yeah. enthusiast and all the other enthusiast sites. You were just growing and capturing audiences and you know creating community around you know these specific titles and, and niche games and stuff. You weren't even thinking about making money until you said, okay, in order to grow these individual sites further, I need to start paying and hiring people. So now I need some money. Exactly. Yeah. It was like the cash is oxygen for small companies, right? It like it, yeah. it enables you to do things. So we were like, you know, we bootstrapped it for so long, um, you know, making a couple hundred bucks a month. But I'm like, you know, my staff, if, if I could pay them, if some of them could leave their jobs and do this full time, if yeah. even if I could leave my job and do this full time, um, you know. What I mean, were you doing? What were you doing before all of this blew up? So, I, my, the family I come from is the Orthodox family, where everyone is in uh, education, it's like rabbis. Okay. Um, so my grandfather was the principal of the local Jewish day school. My uncles were uh, teachers in the local Jewish day school. My father was, um, and I was studying in like the, you know, an educational uh, institute. Uh, Talmudic law, and I, I had moved from being kind of a student to eventually kind of like a, the assistant to eventually teaching a class of 100 people and lecturing to them. Wow. Um, and I learned a lot from there in terms of like analytical, um, tackling, a, you know, tackling the topic, the debating it analytically with your class. Um, so I think there's a lot of just like critical thinking skills. Um, yeah. that I learned there, but what I didn't have was kind of like the, the um, executional skills of like actually building something and doing that. And that started to take form more uh, through the website where I realized that I really enjoyed kind of, uh, you know, I'd come home at like 10 p.m. exhausted from, from, from the Institute. Uh, and then how did I play video games? But I would also write as a way to de-stress. And that eventually turned sure. to de-stressing through my uh, Nintendo enthusiast and enjoying kind of seeing it grow. And, and then I realized that like, my, like my real passion was for kind of building an organization and scaling these communities. So um, in 2015 or so, I made that my full-time job. Wow. So how did you first start monetizing? What is Was it as simple as like banner ads on the site? Yeah, it's like basic Google up banner ads. Uh, 
I tried I tried a couple of ad networks that were focused yeah. on you know the entertainment industry, but none yeah. of them really on a smart technology specifically. Um, so that's where I started to aggregate. You know, I had a lot of other friends who were also building their gaming websites that I you know just learned through you know, the whole scene, and we all kind of had the same pain points. Like none of us were making a lot of money. All of us felt like we could do better. Um, I got to know someone from uh, Nintendo. Um, they're head of marketing and communications in Canada. Uh, mm-hmm. ended up joining our advisory board now. Um, and he basically told me that, like, you know, it's, it's great that you guys reach like a million or so uh, users a month, but it's just not enough in order for, to, to attract Nintendo to like do a specific deal with you. Because I was trying to find premium advertisers who would just take wow. all my inventory. Um, so I realized I had to build a critical mass. So I went to all these other gaming site owners and said, you know, if I could pull you all together and aggregate you under my umbrella, um, and I could probably make more money than you guys are making right now, would you love to do that? Um, and I finally convinced like five sites to do that with me. Um, and that was like January 2016. So we had to figure out like how do we create a contract around this? You know, how do we uh, sign some kind of exclusivity for a year? Um, and we launched it in April. That's kind of where we took off, and you know, we went from making like four four hundred bucks a month or four to eight hundred bucks a month to in April making fifty grand. So wow, there's a real business here. Let's keep scaling this, and then from there, it scaled incredibly rapidly. So more and more sites heard what we were doing, um, and just you know, every month another site or two would join. Um, and the investors saw what we were doing and saw how fast the, the user growth was and how fast the revenue growth was. Um, and eventually, investors helped us start looking at opportunities when sites would come to us and say, you know, we've been doing this for a while. I built the staff, basically running on autopilot right now, uh, or I could continue being involved, but I would love to get some kind of an exit and have like a little bit of a nest egg for all the time I put into this. And, you know, you could buy a site sometimes for you know, 250 grand to a million bucks um, and pay, you know, one, uh, three times even now on that. You know, so the, the site could be earning grand grand and then you pay 250 with, with the best, you know, earnout clause. Um, sure. And that enabled us to start buying sites. Uh, you know, and, and now at this point, we own the majority of the sites. Just kind of being represented. That's crazy. I know that um, you guys have are, are obviously you're involved with um, Luminosity Esports as well as EGLX. What what was what what came first? The sort of live events aspect of things, or um, the esports and you know uh, partnering and, and uh, putting together a partnership with a team. So the first thing that happened was the events. Uh, okay. Was, it was really just something I was excited by. That I loved these game communities and thought, like, maybe we could make more money while we're trying to figure out this whole advertising piece, like online. Maybe we could throw some events and through the events, we'll make some money. We'll help pay the bills, you know, back in 2015. So through this event at a local Toronto bar called Madison Avenue Pub, I'm not sure if you've heard of it. Uh, a lot of college students go there. It's called the Maddie. So our first event that we did, we got about a hundred people there. Yeah. And each paid about twenty bucks to be there. Yeah. 
and everyone just hung out on a Sunday. You know, they played tournaments, we had had different types of gaming content that I experimented with. Some of them were like laughable. Where we had like an improv group doing some kind of wacky, you know, gaming improv, which was really not funny. Um, we had like gaming music with someone like you know, on their electric guitar playing some, some gaming music. Uh, but mostly people stayed to play with each other. Um, and I started doing that fairly often during larger and larger events until a year after that first event, we had grown from 100 people to 1,700 people. And a year later, wow. uh, a big uh, newspaper company called Toronto Star um, said that they would partner with us uh, to throw the next event. And with their marketing support, we grew to 12,000 people in our third event. Um, and then at that point, it kind of started kind of, you know, I had to focus on their own issues of the newspaper world dying and couldn't participate in the next one. Um, but by then we had grown large enough to market it ourselves and it grew to you know, 24,000 people and then 30,000 people. And, um, you know, now we're looking at, um, our next event is in October and hopefully coronavirus calms down. Yeah. Um, so we shouldn't have a need to push it. We did. We could, you know, we could always look at things like pushing it by a month or two. Um, but, you know, we, we love to bring that event to additional cities. Uh, and we love it because it kind of like gives our online audience the ability to find a, a real place, you know, to meet each other online. Uh, online, not just online. Yeah, so that's, that's crazy. And what about Luminosity? Luminosity came about because we realized that we have all these websites, we have all of these YouTube channels, we have the events, but there's this exciting new part of the whole um, gaming world that was dominating a lot of the attention, especially with marketing uh, advertisers. And um, it was just something that we weren't really um, involved in. And we felt like it could flip the puzzle and, and give us the full 360 degree um, offering for communities, we had to approach uh, this aspect too. And basically, a lot of influencers are building communities around themselves. You know, so within esports, you have really big esports um, superstars going onto Twitch, going onto YouTube, building their own brand. And then they get like you know millions of people who are like, kids who are just like they are the community section. They're getting all the attention from these kids. So, you know, it was, that was something that we really wanted to tap into so that um, we also had kind of an esports angle, an influencer angle. So we were yeah. with yeah. um, Jacqueline family in Moscow, Canada, on the sports team over there, the NHL team, the Anchor Jacks. Um, so, Canada's famous, wealthy families. Um, and they have been putting together a whole esports play with Luminosity and um, the Call of Duty team and the Overwatch team. Um, they had raised a lot of money, and they were going they, they spun that into its own uh, distinct entity, esports company. Um, and you know, we, we took our investment bankers kind of approached us and suggested a potential merger, which kind of bring together um, to. Um, Different companies with really strong complementary assets. So we did that in the summer and we combined. And now, not only do we have the websites and YouTube 
and events, we also have a massive roster of influencers and teams um, all playing kind of top level of their game. So you guys have almost, when you take a look at it, you've got the offline, when things get back to normal. Sorry, when things get back to normal, we got you got the offline, you got the online through all the websites and YouTube channels. And then you've sort of got these influencers and gamers and teams that are competing, you know, on a, obviously on a global stage. Mm-hmm. Um, all because you were, you wanted to create your own website. <laughs> yeah. Do you, do you put it out way. Do you ever, like in the morning as you're looking in the mirror, brushing your teeth or whatever, sort of say, what the heck have I done? <laughs> I, what's funny is I always just feel like it's not enough. i got to go bigger. So I really have to learn more to like stop and just like be satisfied or be like, you know, appreciate what we've already built. But as soon as I get to one level, I can kind of see the rung above it and I just get dissatisfied to not be on that run above it. So, um, yeah, it's kind of hard to stop and go, oh, cool, look at that. I mean, it's like, no, why am I not this yet? <laughs> so I, I think that's my uh, my general attitude. What, with, with everybody indoors these days, um, what sort of general trends are you seeing in, in regards to people, you know, number one, they're looking for entertainment, live entertainment, because, you know, the only sports that is really on television generally is um, the, you know, sort of replays of, uh, of past Toronto championships or, or whatever the case may be. Um, everyone is, you know, who would have thought we would have run out of Netflix shows, but... You know, we, we seem to be hitting that, um, even though there's, you know, you got the Disney channels and, and so on. Um, you know, what sort of general trends are you seeing with people, whether, you know, they're gaming more or they're finding companies, websites, teams like, like the ones that are on your roster? I'm curious what you're seeing so far. Well, we're definitely seeing... Um, large spikes in traffic overall. You know, the traffic on our websites have never been better. Mm-hmm. Um, we, we hope that you know those those new audiences remain after everything dies down. Um, right now, it's it's yeah. There's definitely a lot of people stuck at home using the internet, so that leads to a lot higher traffic overall. We've also heard from gaming companies who make games that they're getting a lot more usage for their mobile apps. Yeah. And then for our streamers and YouTube channels, uh, yeah, we're definitely seeing a lot more viewership there as well. So I think that from a digital perspective, it's something that uh, is thriving even in this new environment. Um, so thankfully, you know, we're very thankful for that. There's a lot of, a lot of industries like airlines and uh, travel, hotel, um, retailers. There's a lot that are going through a harder time, but the digital companies, um, thankfully, have been spared. And if anything, uh, there's been a shift of attention from the outside world to focus on digital. Yeah, it, sa- it sounds like someone is calling your name, so I'm not going to keep you oh, for. Maybe for two. Background, don't worry. 
<laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> we'll pick them up in a moment. Yeah, no worries. But like, so, you, you know, generally, you know, COVID or no COVID, you know, what are your thoughts on, you know, obviously you come from the perspective of, you know, what you're doing and, and you're bullish on that. But, you know, generally, what do you see in terms of people's habits and, you know, where they look for entertainment, whether playing or watching, you know, what are your thoughts on what people are going to be doing moving forward? Well, I mean, I think that these habits have already been forming um, without COVID, right? Like, yeah, streaming, television, moving to streaming and OTT, um, gaming, um, dominating in terms of the, the entertainment sector overall, um, has become something that's uh, that was a trend already, right? Gaming is double the size of movie and, and um, TV. Yeah, but. I think this just kind of sped up the timeline a lot quicker um, where you're seeing people become more, they're kind of forced into it. So, uh, you know, we're getting these 20 to 40% bumps in traffic uh, because of the attention. Uh, so I think it just accelerates the timeline on something that was already happening organically. You know, it's, it's not a surprise to anyone that, um, you know, streaming platforms are really good for content. You see what Disney did. You know, HBO has some kind of new offering. Uh, this new company, Quibi, just came out. Mm-hmm. Uh, so um, that's definitely, I, I guess, TV audiences were still kind of holding on with with standard cable. Maybe this um, moves things forward in some capacity. Definitely in terms of gaming and esports, I think that this has really kind of brought it front and center that, you know, it was already impossible to ignore beforehand, but now more than ever, it's it's just something that's just taken over, um, you know, our whole youth by storm at this point. So yeah. You probably have a lot of parents seeing it more often than before as well. Now that they're not going out to work. They're kind of sharing devices with their kids and trying to entertain them and babysit them. Here, you know, here's another game for you. So... <laughs> <laughs> That is that is so true. What do, what were your thoughts when um, I want to switch gears a, a, a bit here? You know, Twitch was sort of seen as the place people went to, um, you know, stream and watch and consume esports, and then all of a sudden, uh, YouTube, you know, that that sort of be the place where people would you know, you know, publish stuff that already happened. But then all of a sudden, with um, you know, Call of Duty and Overwatch League, you know, YouTube jumps into the into the fray and, and sort of get some exclusive stuff. So what were your thoughts on that? Um, I, I think if this is going to be a growing market too, in terms of live streaming, um, you know, as, as big it is, as it is, it is still something that's gaining new adoption. I mean, a lot of people um, are learning about it for the first time um, yeah. or trying it out and starting to get used to, that has uh, something that's entertaining and enjoyable to do. Yeah. So, so I think that YouTube, I definitely believe in YouTube as a strong um, player in this space because they have mm. such a large audience. You know, it's so much larger than everybody else. They're already so deeply ingrained in gaming. It's not that's not going anywhere anytime soon. Yeah. So I think that there's room for multiple players and multiple competitors in the space. Um, I. You know, and hopefully they all creates a good kind of attention that brings out more content and more exclusives and more funding to the space. 
yeah, but I do believe in their platform. What What are your thoughts with with um, you know? It's one thing to sort of have an exclusive deal with with a league. Mm-hmm. You know, we we see that in traditional sports, right? Yeah. Um, what was really weird was when when I saw these actual individual streamers signed individual deals, whether it was with Twitch or Mixer mm-hmm. or Facebook Gaming. Yeah. Um, that's that's really interesting. I guess they're trying to do the same thing, sort of bring popular um, streamers' audiences over to one platform rather than another. Yeah, it's all about those eyeballs, right? Same as like if Netflix or Amazon um, goes after a certain you know, a director who kind of pitches them on this pilot show and they pay for it and lock it down as an exclusive for their, for their own um, streaming platform. So mm-hmm. it's the same idea, right? Like these, these influencers are essentially like a show, like a TV show. It has its own dedicated audience, um, some bigger, some smaller. And if you can bring them over, then you hope that you can migrate a lot of their user base. You know? um, so yeah, they're, they're kind of like the content chips to bargain and play with and build your yeah. do you you know what's 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 next for you Manasha? you know you started off with with one website mm-hmm. you're up to i think the last time not that i'm counting but you'll probably know a better number 85 sites mm-hmm. so probably well more than 75 million visitors um you then go to a live events which is now you know eglx is sort of a version of that um, you've got the Luminosity Sports, the uh, the Titans from Vancouver, Seattle Surge. Um, what's what's the next thing for enthusiast gaming, or where do you see whether it's the company or the the whole ecosystem? You know, what's what sort of next? Yeah. So right now we have over a hundred websites, over uh, wow. two hundred million uniques a month. I got old numbers. <laughs> yeah. Close to a billion views, page views a month. Um, I, I think that right now, a big focus is my dream was always to turn this into like a social media type of a play. Something mm-hmm. that you could log in, have a really robust profile, um, you know, the ability to kind of connect and find other gamers similar to you, uh, play with them, create game sessions. Um, create unique user-generated content uh, that could go viral uh, and provide that kind of a platform. So I think that that's a big focus for me. Like that's kind of my, my dream at this point is taking this large user base that we have already, providing them with deeper, deeper social tools that creates kind of this network effect. Uh, you know, the cross-pollination and all that goodness that comes from having everyone in a network versus kind of like, you know, this website, that website. So unifying it into a network um, with a lot of the social tools that could go along with that. Um, that I think is kind of uh, uh, something that would excite me for that this next stage. Yeah. I remember when I first, a couple of years ago, started, you know, seriously taking a look at esports and gaming, um, you know, for, uh, from a, a work and a business perspective. You know, one of my first misconceptions was, you know, these are just kids, right, playing these games, right? There's no, there's no opportunity with kids. Right. Um, obviously, that's not true, but I'm curious, you know, f- 
from your perspective, from where you're sitting, what are some of some of you know these or other misconceptions that people have about the space in the industry? Um, yeah, I think because it's kind of like a, a medium of entertainment that wasn't around um, at a certain point in time. So, you know, if, if let's say you're you're 50 or above, you probably didn't have a lot of exposure. Like you, you definitely didn't have this in your youth as a as a normal form of entertainment. Hmm. So, and then you have a new a, a new group of people who are now being raised with all sorts of technology and this being like a very normal form of entertainment. Um, and then when you have kind of a divide between different ages, those who get it naturally and those uh, who are not raised with it and don't get it, it's hard for them to kind of understand like, you know, what are you up to all day? What do you like this? This can't possibly be something that uh, makes any sense. Uh, you're, you're not going to find many people who haven't grown up with movies, right? Like, Whatever age you are, um, you're, you will have seen film at some point in your youth um, and TV. So it's you know it's it's something that everyone knows how to sit down and, and enjoy. Um, it's not something that has to be explained. So I think that the older that generation gets, that was first introduced to video games, um, at a certain point, you know the those in their seventies will have you know will have grown up with video games and then it's not going to be even a question at that point of like hey video games is, is this for real should i take it you know should i look at this should i pay attention it's like no everyone knows what that is that's like a predominant form of entertainment see but over here you still do have that divide um that kind of could make people sometimes not take it as seriously as they should hmm. interesting do you still game you still play oh yeah definitely <laughs> <laughs> What's uh, what are you playing these days? Uh, yesterday I played Call of Duty uh, Warzone. All right. Uh, my kids are downstairs right now playing Kirby on the Switch. Uh, we it's a game you can play with you know, co-op with four people all on the couch together. So um, I sometimes play together with them a lot of the Nintendo games. Uh, makes for some good family fun. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. Nice. That is awesome. Manasha, listen, thank you so much. I know life for all of us is busy, especially if you've got family and, you know, we're all trying to juggle stuff. So I really appreciate uh, the time uh, you've spent with me today. Absolutely. Thank you so much for having me on.